The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. All year long. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Friday on the Chuck Oliver Show. We're talking college football through that year round. She comes out have since 2014. Appreciate the blessing, folks. Nine states, 60 sticks. Do it five days a week, 12 months a year. There is no shortage of college football news in general. The Kentucky Wildcats, for good, bad, or in the middle reasons, uh, plenty of news coming out of Lexington when it comes to college football. Uh, some of the good, they got a uh, an offensive coordinator hire. Now, I, they didn't wasn't good news that they needed one, but they got one, and it was kind of the one they wanted, I think. Uh, and a guy who was making 275 out at Boise, well, now he's making more, and they've got an OC, and so that should solve the Brock Vandergriff thing. Uh, and there are also a few scholarships available, it appears. Uh, they've got spring practice coming up in a couple of weeks. We've got a lot of positives to talk about, but appear to be a few open scholarship spots. Um, according to Mark Stoops, uh, there are three kids that will not be with the program, at least if you look at the roster. want to welcome on right now from Kentucky Sports Radio, Nick Roush joins us. Nick, welcome back, friend. How's your day going? It's uh, it's sunny, sunny and warm-ish here in Kentucky, so I, I can't complain too much. Yeah, in February, you get what you get until spring practice starts. That will uh, commence without three players, a couple of offensive linemen, a walk-on running back. They are all absent from the latest roster update. Is there anything to to know about that, or is it just normal college football attrition? Some of it is normal college football attrition, but Chuck, let's we we can we can dive in the weeds and connect some dots because two of those offensive linemen were four, former four star recruits. Uh, one of them started his career at Alabama, and he spent a year with Eric Wolford and decided to get out of town. He could have been a senior se- uh, super senior this fall, but Tanner Bowles decided against it. I got a feeling there might be something there with Eric Wolford. Um, but he was just a reserve. Uh, he spent the entire year as the second center on the roster. You know, those guys aren't rotating in much, but if you got an injury, that could be significant if Kentucky has to rely on a redshirt freshman. The other one's just disappointing. Nick Hall was this kid who kind of blew up. His dad was Antonio Hall, one yeah. of the highest signings in Kentucky football history. Uh, it was a great story, a homecoming, and then he suffered an undisclosed injury that's going to end his career. And, the, the the story behind it that's more significant is he was a part of a class that featured a five-star offensive lineman and another four-star guy. None of those guys are still on the roster two years later. Two years later, you lost your three big offensive tackle recruits. That's, that's not ideal. Um, you can fix some of that in the portal, but um, good off quality offensive tackles, they aren't a diamond dozen out in the portal. So uh, death you always uh, you, you take it for granted, but you always got to have it. And that might be something we'll have to keep an eye on for the Cats this fall. 
Kentucky Sports Radio is about the best source for either Kentucky fans or if you're fans of teams who play UK, that's where you want to go, man. Kentucky Sports Radio, we got Nick Rouse with us. Uh, all right, let's talk uh, Bush Hamden. He he was a quarterback. His alma mater's Boise State, so he's leaving his alma mater, and he had everything set up with the returning starters and the quarterback transfer and all that, and he couldn't get to Lexington fast enough. Um, talk about what the fit is thought to be between Hamden and his pieces on offense. Yeah, and that, that's the the part I think, you know, I, I don't think Kentucky fans are keeping up on a regular basis on what's happening out uh, in the Mountain West Conference. But when you look at what he left, um, where Ashton Genty was a Mountain West Player of the Year returning, uh, I think they had eight starters returning, uh, and they got Malachi Nelson, who was the number one recruit yes, uh, a year ago. That, that's that's significant that he was willing to depart, and I know a pay raise comes with it. The the part that's uh, a little unique that you don't see often, um, but I think Kentucky needed to do to get some insurance. Bush Hamden's buyout after. If he leaves before serving two seasons in Lexington, his buyout's worth more than his entire contract. He's getting paid $1.2 million, but his buyout's $1.5. So they're doing what they can to make sure that there's not another offensive coordinator search this time next year. All right, let's talk about, I don't know, Vince Marrow. I'm going to reference him because he's the last guy remaining from Mark Stoops' original staff. And if you're thinking, wow, he must be a heck of a tight ends coach, I, I'm sure he is. He recruits. That's why Vince Marrow's there. Um, and he coaches tight ends, but, but he recruits. Um, talk about one of the newer coaches because there was raves last year for Chris Collins, and I think he just got broke off with a raise, didn't he? He did. He did. Uh, former Georgia State staffer. Yeah. Who, you know, it, it, Stoops is very big on Power 5 experience, right? Like, that's part of the reason why I wanted Bush Hamden is because Hamden called plays at Washington. Uh, Amazon drink with the staff in Missouri. He rarely, rarely goes outside of the Power 5 to make hires just because it's, you know, it's a, it's a different ball game, right? You're, you're playing at a higher level. Uh, Collins was brought on at an odd time. Um, and, you know, it, it's one of those things that it takes a little bit to get your feet wet. He started slowly bringing in a couple guys, couldn't land him. Uh, and there was a kid out of Columbia, South Carolina, um, who was uh, – Chuck, it's one of those, it's 4th of July. I'm like, oh, they're not going to get any commits. And then I look up and I say, Quasi Scott? Who's Quasi? What's a Quasi Scott? Well, South Carolina ended up putting the, the full-court press on him later on the stretch. He ends up getting bumped up to a four-star recruit. So, Collins is getting it done on the recruiting trail. And I think more importantly, back-to-back years – They've had unexpected departures from the cornerback room um, where they're like, well, we, we think this guy's going to be around for another year. He's going to be a solid starter for us. Leaves, goes to the NFL draft. Well, Carrington Valentine was starting a couple games for the Packers last year. Andrew Phillips is probably going to rise up to end up being a day two pick. So he appears to be developing his guys. Last year, Max Harrison, he's another one of those dudes where Stunned. you think like, oh, some – some mid three star recruit. I don't know if he's going to be any good. And he went and led the SEC in interceptions, and they just quit throwing to his side of the field. So uh, Chris Collins, he's doing something right. And the early returns on the other new coach they added this year, Die Kill Shorts, who was a star receiver for West Virginia back in the Dana Holgerson days. He's a young guy that's earned a lot of respect quickly. Um, he seems to have a stern voice in that room. The recruits like him. So, so far, uh, the, the the new additions to the Kentucky football coaching staff, um, they seem to be going pretty well. 
All right, let's talk, uh, I think, sort of an unusual headline. Uh, signing day proper was two and a half weeks ago. Uh, talk Jaden Smith because he's a good-looking athlete, and that's what he's listed as athlete, and he was going to Michigan. He's going to Kentucky now? Yeah, yeah. It, you, I, I thought I thought I had officially closed the book, but uh, roster construction is a 365-day-a-year job now, and – we have some late departures in the coaching carousel, right? You not only you get the Nick Saban retirement, but Harbaugh's leaving for the NFL. Sure. So a lot of movement. And Kentucky, it, it's it's weird, but Michigan has kind of been their biggest, their greatest adversary on the recruiting trail. And this was a case where, um, like so many other, you either beat Michigan or you come in second. They came in second the first go around, uh, but this time they didn't have to wait. Uh, until the transfer portal to get Jaden Smith, who, like you said, is a great athlete, um, looks the part. I, I like to, you know, sometimes you're watching these highlight tapes, and it's hard to, to weed through some of the stuff, but the kid blocked like four kicks last year. <laughs> His highlight reel is full of making tackles on kickoff coverage. So when you got a guy that's out there and willing to do a little bit of everything for you, you think they can end up turning into good ball players, and that's that's what they're getting with this late addition in Jaden Smith. Nick Roush, Kentucky Sports Radio. Appreciate you, friend. Thank you. Always a pleasure, Chuck. Yes, sir. All right, so that's Jaden Smith, man. 6'3", 200 and a couple of pounds. Four-star athlete. Yes, uh, right here. What will I be playing there? What would you like to play? Well, we're going to figure something out for you, Jaden. I promise. I feel we have something for you. That thing about blocking kicks... There is there is something about the oddball stat in football, basketball, whatever. Like the guy who somehow would lead the league in hit by pitches, like nine out of his eleven years in the bigs. Like was he leaning into stuff? I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's got some sort of magnet on him. I don't know. There are just freaky athletic guys that, for whatever reason, are they usually tall? Well, sure. Long arms, maybe. There are these, somehow they turn their shoulders and they're bendy and they get skinny a little bit and then an arm and then paw and then boom, block kick. There are, now, are there more of those guys who are six 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 seven? Probably. But that is one of those things. Returning punts is another one of those things. It's not just like, I'll, I'll time you in the 40. That's not really what a re- returning a punt is. I've told you, returning a punt to me is the second most difficult thing to do on a football field behind play quarterback. A kickoff, about 60 yards, about end over end, somewhere between the hash marks. A punt might be 22 yards, might be 70. Floating up there like a knuckler, it may be like it's shot out of a cannon or a jugs machine. You have no idea what it's doing. And you got to go catch it, and blocking is on – it's even more so on on uh, punts than kickoffs, sketchy. So it's a difficult thing to do. The guy who's good at returning punts, it's not because, oh, well, he's fast. Yes, he's fast. Everybody in the NFL and in college, everybody's got fast players. So it's a different sort of skill, uh, skill and you see guys who extend careers. There's an extra reason to have this guy on so when everything is equal, he can also long snap. Or he also blocks kicks, etc. He's a third quarterback, and he was an All-American punter. Whether it was Danny White or Tom Tupa, we have seen guys have careers 
because, oh, yeah, they can punt as well. Steve Spurrier punted. All right, we break. We uh, continue next. Always college football time in the South. Now back to more of the king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. Chuck Oliver Show continuing on this Friday. Cincinnati Reds made a history, uh, excuse me, made a habit uh, of going to the World Series. If you look at their franchise history, They've been playing baseball as long as anybody in the National League. Uh, in fact, they may have been the first professional team. In fact, they were. But in their entire history, the decade of the 70s, man, they were the team. And it was mostly concentrated in the first part of the decade. They went to a World Series, and then they went to another World Series. And in 1975, they won the World Series. And in 1976, they won the World Series again. And after the 1976 season ended was the first Major League Baseball free agency draft. And the Reds, who had just won two World Series in a row, said, we will not participate. By the way, this is not a paraphrase. We will not participate. And they didn't. They passed. Now, the system then, you had to draft a player who was a free agent, and then like 10 teams could draft him, and just those teams could negotiate. The Reds passed on the whole thing. Didn't draft anybody. Said, we're not going to sign a free agent. This is not – we don't acknowledge this. Yankees said, well, we do. Well, we'll sign some free agents. And the Yankees signed a bunch of free agents. The Reds did not. They stopped winning World Series after 1976. The Yankees won the next two. You can strike a blow for the system, or you can hustle and scratch and do whatever it is you're able to do, but there's this this phrase, this belief, this saying, if you think you're ignoring the market, Pretty good chance what's going on is the market's ignoring you. We will not participate in this free agency. And the other major league teams were like, what? Um, did you say so? I'm sorry. I'm busy signing Reggie Jackson. Gene Autry was the California Angels owner. He's like, oh, I believe in free agency. And for the first time ever, two years later, whammo, National League West champs. Cincinnati was like, we may need to rethink this. And then they did. Wake Forest is among a slew of programs. Some of them don't have excuses. Wake Forest got tiny little enrollment. They're bigger now, but compared to like, I don't know, what's Florida? Like like 60,000, 65,000, I don't know. Michigan? Wake Forest, a little tiny place. Which means they had a little tiny fan base comparatively. They're well-educated, which you think high-paying jobs, maybe. But Wake Forest is in a position where at least over the last three years, and we were talking with Joe Ovius earlier, excuse me, uh, Gilio earlier, and he told us that Wake Forest has really kind of looked the other way when it comes to free agency. When it comes to college football's version of what Major League Baseball got almost 50 years ago, the Wake Forest has chosen to look the other way. We think we can win while ignoring name, image, likeness. You can't. You can't, you can't, you can't. Now, if Wake Forest was fully engaged and was at the forefront and maxing out everything they could regarding name, image, likeness, 
they still might not have been able to keep Sam Hartman. So it may just be raw numbers, and so they choose to front as if, yeah, we don't like this. Yeah, that's not a way to be. The way to be is acknowledge, be as forward-facing as possible, and get blatant with a bunch of 17-year-olds. This is how you'll get paid at Wake Forest, and then you lay out whatever vision of it that it is, but at least it's a vision. Is it Wizard of Oz? Don't look behind that curtain. Maybe. Maybe. Is it pixie dust? And uh, Maybe. But it's better than not having an announcement or, I don't know, like a two-sided glossy handout. Demon deacons in the age of name, image, likeness. Like, you got to have something for them. Have a PowerPoint hand them a flash drive and say, hey, put this in your laptop, go to page 18 through 30. Everything, like, have something. Give them some logoed merchandise from the collective. But to have the attitude that, yeah, we just, we can't succeed. So we're just going to operate on old school beliefs. Um, When I say that some, now again, Wake Forest, Dave Clawson's made his his entire career punching up, and he's he's done a great job of it. If they don't have the money or the money that's prioritized or set aside or the alumni haven't started the business or the commerce or whoever you look at and say, well, this is partly because why we don't have name image likeness because the money hasn't come from here. Whatever it is, at Wake Forest, you've got a few different areas you can look at and go, well, there's the issue. At Clemson, I don't think you do have an area. I don't think you got anything at Clemson you can look at and go, well, see, that's why the shortcoming exists. Shouldn't be any shortcoming at Clemson except the self-imposed shortcoming. Now, have they at least secretly behind closed doors and somewhat changed attitudes about bringing in other kids? Yeah. Have they been overly successful with that to this point? No. But that can be more a transfer portal thing than just a name him as likeness thing. How do you get kids through the portal? How do you get grown man, 22-year-old, three varsity letters? I've already played in 41 games at the Power 5 level sort of players through the portal through name, image, likeness. You go get Keon Coleman through name, image, likeness. You get Bakari and Bo and Adam Randall, and you get all those great-looking just Adonis kids out of high school. I go get Keon Coleman in the portal. Keon costs more. Keon showed up and said, all right, I'm a touchdown machine. (laughs) I'm here for four months. Use me. And they did. And everybody got happy. So that's the, that's the, the time we live in. You don't have a choice about that. Wake Forest may not have a choice about its expenditures, just like the forward facing sort of transparent. Hey, we got rich alums. So you come busted on the field. There will be an end of the rainbow. Promise you, even though you can't promise that you don't know for sure, but you promise them. And then maybe it happens. And if you're Aaron Curry, you don't get rewarded with just being the third overall pick. You get the third overall pick as a result of that monster season. And along the way, you got alumni or business owners or, I don't know, Nestle, National Game. Give us that Wake Forest linebacker. Any of that can happen. Hey, what's going on, man? So this is something that we've talked about in the context of Kansas, Chuck, a program that's going to have to play a season not in their building because they're doing renovation work, and so they're going to play some of the games at Arrowhead, and then they're going to play some at the soccer park in Kansas. 
There's another school, Big Ten school, that's going to have to play out of their building this year, too. Uh, Northwestern is getting rid of Ryan Field and replacing it with the new flashier bells and whistles version of Ryan Field. Uh, I could tell you, having been to the other one for about probably four or five games through the years, uh, it, it definitely did not have a whole abundance of resources or charm. It wasn't a bad place to see a game. And the one thing I never noticed a single time when I was at a Northwestern game, Chuck, I saw them play Iowa multiple times. I saw them play Nebraska. Never once did I say, man, there's no room for another body in here. So I don't know. Maybe there's people who are going to come out and watch Northwestern play Iowa because it's a nice stadium. Maybe, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, regardless, that's what they're doing. And so now it's been announced that the game with Ohio State is going to be at Wrigley Field. Chuck, they keep trying to do this where they play. They played Northwestern Illinois at this stadium before. I get it. Wrigleyville's a fun place to go. I'm a Cubs fan. Wrigleyville's a lot of fun to go to. But Wrigley Field, remember the one time they literally had to have the teams play the same way. They had to go the same direction for the whole game because the field wouldn't fit in to the building. You're going to tell me that in the Chicago metro area, Ohio State fans, the best place you could find to put them was Wrigley Field? Like That doesn't make any sense at all. There is is a soccer stadium there. If for some reason the Bears place wasn't available, and oh, yes, there is an NFL stadium. Like, how in the world are they playing this game at Wrigley Field? It's a needlessly cute decision. It's a needlessly convoluted decision. Like, it doesn't even solve anything, and there wasn't a question in the first place. Like, you actually go the opposite way. Like, it's almost a blessing that this year when Ohio State's our home game that we can't play it on campus because now we can have an excuse. Oh, gosh, we got to go play it in the 90,000 monstrosity somewhere. You don't go play it in the baseball stadium where, honestly, you better not run a fade route because it is a brick wall you run into. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a little closer geographically to campus at Evanston than Soldier Field is. That's farther down the red line. you got to walk a little bit. Obviously, the White Sox place is even farther down the red line. But even the White Sox place would have more room for an actual field. This is dumb. Uh, There's no doubt about it. Like I said, it's needlessly convoluted to answer a question that – didn't exist if you want to get cute that's great you've got like five other home games to choose from the winningest team in baseball also has the most saves and people who save the most money are winners so start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only ten dollars each these bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. <sighs> or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing, or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands, an easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at CampMargaritavilleLanierIslands.com. Now back to the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. 
year ago, Kirby Smart, two straight national championships, knows he has to replace the quarterback. His OC is doing everything except wearing a sandwich board saying, hire me, NFL. Todd Munkin put, like, the inflatable gorilla on his roof and the spotlight in his driveway. He's like, I'm crazy. I'm giving myself away. I want to get to the league. I want to be a head coach in the NFL. Kirby, by his countenance, you wouldn't have known any of that was going on. And when he left, when Munkin left, Kirby was like, hey, Mike, you want to be OC? All right, that's handled. He didn't. He wasn't phased. Del McGee has been a great, great, great assistant. All the way back to Kirby's first staff. Um, I don't know if it's an official thing yet, but it's all but official that he's going to be the Georgia State head coach. So Kirby's got to replace his running backs coach, which is one of your key recruiters in a lot of cases. With Del McGee, it certainly was. Kirby's going to be fine. I don't know who he's going to get, and I don't know if he'll be as good as Del McGee, but he's already got to replace his wide receivers coach as well. We're going to talk about a lot of things when it comes to the SEC. We'll start in Athens. That's a good enough place. SEC Mike, welcome back. Michael Braddon, how you been, man? Hey, you doing good, Chuck. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate your time. Uh, Kirby does not get nearly as phased and clutch the pearls as fans and media does when it comes time to replacing coordinators and, and like, key recruiters on his staff. Um, and I find that, like, I don't pay as much attention to it. I was like, nah, Kirby will figure it out. Um, are you on pins and needles at all about how he replaces two positions, which traditionally could be your two best recruiters? No, because, uh, he's still the head coach at Georgia. And last time I checked, if you want to be a head coach or you want to go to the NFL, there's probably no better path to getting there than going to work for Kirby for a couple of years. I mean, his, I know he hasn't been a head coach for a terribly long time, but he's got one of the best coaching trees in all of college football already. And I think that, uh, you know, of all the, his accomplishments, I think that's one that gets kind of overlooked the most. You know, you can have transformational X's and O's. You can be Rich Rodriguez and, like, invent something new. That's that's great. Um, I've always liked Mike Bobo, and I don't know that he has anything that people look at him and go, wow, his X's and O's. I don't know. I just think he's a really good coach. Um Give me your impression of Mike Bobo, because like I said, Kirby did not bat an eye. He was like, Mike's in charge. Right. Well, he's an excellent quarterback developer. I, I don't think he gets enough credit for that either. Certainly probably should have won a national championship under Mark Rick, but uh, I don't know how how long we got here, Chuck, but that's a full day's conversation right there. But, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think he gets too much criticism. Uh, I, I thought Georgia was pretty outstanding. Now, they did probably get a little too cute against Alabama. So, again, I guess I'm, maybe I'm talking out both sides of my mouth. But Ew, you full evaluation. <laughs> you can't, uh, you know, bash a guy for being excellent all season and then one or two play calls he'd like to have back. They'd all like to have one or two play calls back. It just really kind of bit Georgia at the wrong time. But, yeah, I, I don't think Mike Bobo's the best, but he's far, far, far from the worst. I'd, I'd probably put him in the top five in the SEC when it comes to offensive play callers. So let's talk Missouri because I think most of us have an idea in our minds that, you know, that phrase punch up, they have to punch up because they're not going to have the same athletes. I don't know. Their defense, they had some of the same athletes. And on offense, they've got some special kids over there and a couple of them even coming back. Um, I have been wrong about Eli and Missouri. Uh, Tell me what you think they are as a program going forward into the expanded SEC. Well, they're in a prime position thanks to the state of Missouri and, and the, the government there. 
I don't know much about government, Chuck. I don't follow it unless they start passing NIL laws. Then I start paying attention. But, hey, credit that state for doing everything they can to help Eli Drinkwitz's program be a step ahead of virtually everybody in the NIL game, and it's all above board. So I, I don't care one bit about that, and I think that is going to be instrumental, and, and I think they'll probably make the college football playoff this year given their schedule. Now, will they be one of the better teams in the country? I don't know, but they're the only team in the SEC that is playing their opponents last year, or excuse me, this year. If you combine their wins and losses from last year, it's a losing record. That's the only SEC team that can say that. So the path is there for Missouri to make the college football playoff, and that's just going to feed the recruiting, feed the NIL even more. So I think Missouri, as long as Drake stays there, I think they're, they're going to be one of the teams to beat in the SEC. Do you have enough of an idea about Garrett Nussmeyer to say definitively this is going to be the outcome from him? Because we've known him and we've known of him and we've watched him play some, um, and he's been around seemingly for a while. But uh, Jaden Daniels, he's gone. This is a big adjustment. Um, what do you think the outcome with, with Garrett Nussmeyer will be? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fair to wonder that, Chuck, and – people that are just kind of assuming they're just going to be great again. I I don't even know where these people are getting and where they're – now, could LSU make the playoff? Certainly. But mm. I wouldn't project them, and, and I would be surprised if they did it this year, in a, even in a 12-team format. Uh, now, now, they have the talent and all that, but there's just a lot of transition. That defense is not going to go from god-awful to elite overnight. I don't care who they hired. Now they'll get better, but I think the the returns on that will be year two, year three, more so than than immediate. And you're right, Jane Daniels was special, obviously, but I think people are overlooking the fact that he had two outstanding receivers that may go in the first round as yeah. well. And those are guys that uh, Nussmeyer had in the bowl game, which, which he looked good late in that game. But he could be better than expected, and he's still not going to be as good as Jane Daniels. There's so many wonderful, tasty things to talk about with the Longhorns, but I'm just fascinated with Oklahoma because, um, you know, everybody, the speculation I've talked about, I was like, Texas could be the best team in the SEC. Could be. They could win the conference their first year. Who knows? None of that conversation around Oklahoma, and that is a truly great, great program. Where are they right now as a team with Brent Venables going in his third season? Well, there's a lot to like, Chuck, but I, the, what I don't like and what everybody doesn't like is – where they're at in the line of scrimmage. And, I mean, we, we talk about it to death, but we talk about it for a reason in the SEC because that's why Georgia and Alabama have dominated for the better part of two decades because they're better on the line of scrimmage. And I think Jackson Arnold could be a truly elite quarterback, maybe not immediately, but in a year or two. And I, I love Nick Anderson, the receiver. They've got some outstanding defensive players, but at linebacker and, and in the defensive backfield, so – where are they out on the line of scrimmage? I don't think they're up to – I don't even think they're close to Texas caliber on the line of scrimmage. So I would be surprised if they're one of the teams to beat in the SEC. But, heck, I, I would have said the same thing about Missouri and Texas A&M, and they came out guns a-blazing when they joined the league. So there still is a spring portal um, period, and there will be a lot of movement. Um, at that point, there will be kids who actually lost the spring battle and was like, I'm Portland. All right, let's talk Hugh Freeze because there is sort of a pattern. You get a guy who gets hired somewhere, and he's a quarterback whisperer, and then some stud follows him. Uh, this just we that's how it works. That has not worked out that way at Auburn. Um, I don't. I'm not 
like taking shots at a kid. Peyton Thorne was not Hugh Freeze's first choice. So that's fine. You get through 2023 because, hey, the season's coming. we got to have a quarterback. Well, it's 2024. Unless something happens in the spring portal, uh, Mike, Peyton Thorne is going to be the Auburn quarterback again. Um, break down where they are here because it's not that's not supposed to be how this has unfolded. No, and, I mean, this is a different era where you don't get three, four, five years to show what you can do in this conference. We, fans expect results by year two, and, and I think that's fair given what guys like Josh Heupel and Lane Kiffin have done at, at programs that were floundering when they got there. So I, I never got the Hugh Freeze hype. I mean, I call him Gus Malzahn with baggage because that's what he is. Now, I, that doesn't mean he's an awful coach, but I don't get where these people that say he's an elite coach, and I think he showed that last year. I mean, getting thrashed by New Mexico State, yet nearly beating Georgia and Alabama. How does that happen? That's that's coaching, in my opinion. So, he can get his guys up for a game. He loses games he shouldn't. Same year he's beating Alabama, he's losing to Memphis. So, make it make sense, Chuck. I, I'm not high on Auburn this year. I think it's going to be more of the same what we got last year. That is not what Auburn fans wanted to hear uh, because, again, the word coming in was if there's anything he'll get right, it's quarterback. And that's, I mean, you get that right. And then some, a lot of other things look right as well. Wrapping up again, SEC Mike hosts that SEC podcast. It's Mike Braddon. Uh, final stop, uh, Billy Napier. Give me how it works out this year. Give me how he makes it to the end of the round and Lagway can take over and he can finally see some of that vision. Like, tell if you think there's a path, tell me how it works out for Napier and the Gators this season. I mean, I think best case scenario, they start, I think they can start pretty well, Chuck. I mean, if five and one, heck, even six and oh, if everything breaks right, but they may not win another game the rest of the way. I mean, it's, it's just a murderer's row and, and I get that narrative of, of D.J. Lagway. You want to see him on the field if he's elite. We don't want to get rid of Billy Napier because Lagway can jump in the portal. I mean, the, we could see how that plays out. But at the same time, if they're winning the first couple games with Graham Mertz, how are you going to put in a true freshman? I mean, it's it's almost backwards. Like, you, you'd wish they'd play the incredibly difficult teams up front, take some lumps, and then maybe Lagway could come in and, and show some promise. How in the world is a true freshman supposed to go up against Georgia, LSU, Ole Miss, Florida State, Texas? That it just—I don't see how this is going to work. And, and even if it does, I mean, I think you're going to get division in the locker room, players choosing sides. I mean, we're sitting here. This is the University of Florida, and we're sitting here saying a seven and five would be outstanding. I, I don't think that's acceptable. So I, I just don't see any pass where Billy Napier's back. I said normal to just slightly better than normal outcomes, and you're looking at a six-win season. And you said seven wins. I was like, okay, Billy Napier, seven wins. Um, And you're right. This is year three, and this is the tough evaluation for me because I've said this recently. Like Jeff Collins going into his third year at Georgia Tech, it was the same thing. I said, this doesn't look like the roster of a guy going into year three. It looks like the roster that a first-year coach just took over. And I think that if you look at Florida right now, it's just a weird mismatch of guys there. And it hadn't been, it hadn't been good football they played. Right. And we're, I, I think we're past the point of blaming Dan Mullen, but that's probably what we'll hear a lot this offseason. Thanks, Dan Mullen, for putting us in this position. If Dan Mullen was still the coach of Florida, they'd be a heck of a lot better than 6-6, six 7-5. Six, and five. My Brad, appreciate the time, friend. Thank you so much.
Absolutely. Bye-bye. SEC Mike, host of That SEC Podcast, highest-rated SEC podcast on Apple and Spotify. You can subscribe. You can listen. It's good stuff, good inside information there. But Florida, I talked about that schedule. um, Just buzzards lux, what it is. Because we know how it goes, that you – can turn things over to the future and then at the end of the season when people hey, you should be fired now hang on i turned it over to the freshman and we had a little bit of success and we're ready for 2025 trust me on this and that works sometimes you get to stay employed but as we discussed back my gosh this is a couple months ago florida schedule is built for a somewhat decent start you could have a fast start i'll say five and one or so maybe not but five and one and i'm talking about beating miami for instance like so you got to achieve something this is not all idaho and eastern michigan but five and one is completely doable i mean i believe you miami's got their own issues and it's at your place so after that no it's it's really not doable when you line up Georgia and Texas and LSU, unfortunately, all of these teams, bam, 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 that if you were struggling with Graham Mertz, then you turn it over to DJ Way, and there was a little bit of blue sky on the roster, I mean, on the schedule. No, that's not the case. It's the exact opposite. It gets way, way, way more difficult at a time in the season. Now, say it's not a 5-1 and one start. Say it's like a 3-3 three and three start, 4-2 and two start. At that point, and folks are going to be cognizant. That they know what the schedule is. We went three and three against that. Uh, let's move on from the old man quarterback. No, I don't think that's what you want to do. Do you know what happens with quarterbacks when they have bad? I've said bad experience is still experience. And QBs, the one way they get better, the one way they really improve to play in games. It's different with freshmen in college. A freshman in college and a rookie in the NFL that is a little different. If you put them out there where it's a situation with just blood in the water, just chum, then it can it can create some some issues that you have to undo first before you can just get back to zero. We got to get back to like to to the start, uh, but we have to undo some things. I'm telling you, you can create. An, I'm talking about bad habits. I'm not I'm not just talking about ghosts. I'm not just talking about kids scared. I'm talking about bad habits. You start to change things in backyard bow. Did you hear that at all in Oregon? Totally different situation, and he was more experienced and older and all that other stuff. I don't know. Backyard bow, that was a real thing at Auburn, and that was an adjustment from him. So he always had the quicks and the rollout and the bootleg and the sprint out and everything else. That's not necessary. It was survival. That was backyard bow. He was learning bad things, and so you don't want that. All right, uh, my goodness, look at the time. We break. We wrap up next. of college football no matter where you go with a new southern sports today app catch the best college football conversation in the south everywhere with the sst live stream and daily podcast downloaded now at the app store and the google play store now more of the best college football talk in the country it's the chuck oliver show for me the fact that i can be in the game and the last name says right instead of the number 14 i mean that's 
I mean, that's something special right there. And so I think for me, I've kind of always been on board. Um, I've kind of encouraged players to kind of get on board too, just because, I mean, this is a game that's going to keep releasing every year to my knowledge. And so it's like, you kind of need to, if you want to be a part of it, you need to jump in. Mississippi State quarterback, Mike Wright, saying, hey guys, get on board. He's talking about EA Sports college football game. And Mike Wright says, I think it'd be cool. It'll actually, there's me. There's, it's me. It's not just a guy who really looks like me and is playing for the team I play for and throws like I throw and wears my jersey number. No, it says Wright on it. Georgia State may be hiring Dale McGee. That may be official. Um, it's gone from yesterday that, oh, yeah, it really looks like it's going to be Dale McGee. And that was kind of how we were talking. Like, we need to hear from the school or the guy, but it really looks like it's going to be Dale McGee. But we hadn't heard from the school or the guy. According to sources, the other finalists for the job have been contacted by Georgia State and said, you're not getting it. And so... There was a dinner party with four people. Susan didn't bring the green bowl. Um, If you look at the other finalists and three of them will confirm. Yes, I, I, they told me you're not getting the job. We're going in another direction. And there were four finalists and three of them will say that sources say that's the case. And Del McGee is the last man standing. Been a head coach sort of kind of for a minute. Georgia Southern, um, and so he's he's wants to run a program. He doesn't want to be an interim to get somebody to the end of the season, like that was almost 10 years ago. So Georgia State is towing the line. They have to cross and dot, but Del McGee will be a head coach, and so Kirby will have two assistant coaching spots to fill, and I don't believe there's any panic, but it's something to look at. I mean, it's it's not nothing. They already had the job with Kirby for a reason because Kirby preferred them. So now you're going to find other right answers. Hey. Yeah, it certainly looks like uh, it's going to be Mickey's job, and we'll see where that goes from there. Uh, I want to go back to the, the Mike Wright comments, though, Chuck. I don't know if you saw this or not. Uh, there's a group that calls itself the College Football Players Association, which sounds like it's some kind of a union or it's something not. like that. It, it isn't, and there's another group that's called the Catholic League, and the Catholic League is frequently involved in social protests, and the, the guy who gets quoted as the head of the Catholic League, you can call yourself basically anything you want, and there have been reports indicate while that guy gets quoted as being the Catholic League's spokesman or the president or whatever, there's not actually like much of a league in Catholic League. It's just pretty much this guy. That's basically what the College Football Players Association is. It is a couple of people who've been trying to to push this notion of unionization for a while now. There might be a union, but if there ever is, however we get there, it's probably not going to involve these people, even though they keep marketing it. They are up in arms, Chuck. Oh, they should they should reject this deal. They should turn down the money. $600 is not enough, and the copy of the game is not enough. They, are, they aren't getting royalties. They should turn this down. And, and you just want to say to these people, do you have any concept who it is that you purport to represent? Because of exactly what Wright said there. These guys want to be in the game. They think it's cool. They're excited about it. 
they aren't saying, no, 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 I'm going to hold out for points. Because the reality is, Chuck, is there a single player right now in college football, a single guy who is enough of a star that someone would not buy that video game because they're not in it? No. Not a one. No. And, and almost no. in any given year, there isn't. But maybe one year, maybe a Tebow one year, maybe Caleb Williams as a returning Heisman winner. Maybe in some given year, there might be one at most two players in college football that are a big enough deal that if their presence was not in the game, someone would care a little bit. Even then, highly doubtful they wouldn't buy the game. So I'm sorry. You say, well, you should hold out. No, you shouldn't. The only thing you'll accomplish by holding out is you won't get to be in a game that everybody else is in and is excited about, and you'll be the guy, well, I stood for the future rights of players, and I wanted points. Good luck to you. You won't get a nickel. I I just, I'm fascinated that these dopes say that they represent the players, and they clearly have no clue at all who the players actually are. And momentum behind that idea. If there were enough of it, the only outcome would be there would be no game again. Like, we've already gone almost 10 years without a game. Like, we got a game now, so. All right, David, Heath, me, we're all thankful for y'all. Give us two days. We'll recharge the batteries and do it again on Monday. More college football conversation right here on the Chuck Oliver Show. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. (sighs) Or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at Camp Margaritavillelanierislands.com. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs. With Blue certified, nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer.